वेलकम टू बीआईडी वेबिनार हम लोग शुरू करते हैं टुडे हमारे पास है अजहर हसन नदीम साहब ये माशाल्लाह सिविल सर्वेंट अपना आईजी पुलिस रहे हैं बड़ा लंबा एक्सपीरियंस सिविल सर्विस आईजी में मैं पुलिस में इनका है ही इज रिटन टू बुक्स दिस इज सेकंड बुक द पॉलिटिक्स पॉलिटिक्स ऑफ द मिसगवर्नड at pid our objective is to create a national dialogue pid is yours not mine not anybody's pid is a national think tank so we would like to invite all thinkers pakistani thinkers who write a book to present in, in at pid the objective is not just to bring in the donor consultants like our contemporaries are doing most universities just like to bring in the donor consultants and talk about them we are very clear we have space for the pakistani intellectual and therefore azhar saab is very welcome to present his book here we will from time to time ask anybody who writes a book to come and present it here or even a paper we are happy to do all events of such nature because that's how our children will learn pid has a long a good body of students i won't say large <clears throat> good body of phd students we want them to participate in that, in this dialogue learn from you people and make up their hypotheses and their, their papers from writings such as yours azhar sir so thank you very much for coming to us and um, doing your book launch with us we appreciate it we are very uh, pleased that you're doing it so azhar sir maybe we should begin with this kd you um, we got two discussants for you as well we've got fahad zulfikar and we've got iftikhar ahmed uh, um dr iftikhar who's a very well known um professor at pied so two people pied people will be discussing your book but perhaps the best way to begin is as a sir for you to present your book if you can as uh, i know a book is hard to present so in as short a uh, time as possible if you can give us the central thesis the central ideas and what we can learn from your book um i'm at a bit of a disadvantage i haven't been able to see the book yet although you sent it to me but unfortunately i'm not in lahore right now but nevertheless uh, i'll gain from your uh, talk so if you can take 15 20 minutes to present your book that will be wonderful azhar sahab over to you nadeem first of all i would thank you for arranging this book launch actually pai has made significant contribution in the field of uh, economic development and they are making a significant contribution in the overall socio economic development of pakistan and i congratulate you on this due over time it is emerged as a big think tank which is influencing the policy in pakistan and your effort to transform it into knowledge based economy knowledge economy is are uh, to be appreciated i thank you very much for giving me a chance to present my book here actually the thing is that uh, long time back uh, i in the year 2000 precisely i wrote a book pakistan the political economy and lawlessness therein i had studied the patterns of lawlessness and their relationship with the economic development of pakistan and today there there but then it is now outdated i needed a new book or to update the same book but then i thought of writing a new book and this is a book which studies the institutions of pakistan and their nature and how are they uh, helpful in the process of development or not uh, 
In this context, I have to refer to two economic theories. One was by Douglas Nath, which I had discussed in the previous book also, but the second one is Miglu and Robinson's theory of inclusive institutions. First of all, let me give you a brief way uh, the description of these theories, because in this theoretical framework, my whole book is, uh, has been written in this whole thing. The first thing is that I want to bring to your notice is that uh, Douglas Nath uh, dealt, uh, dealt with this question, why same strategies fail in certain countries and succeed in others. This is so because so often economic reforms are introduced without corresponding cultural and uh, uh, social institutions change are not changed and without changing, bringing them changes into them, they try to uh, implement those reforms. And then he also talked about equitable large distribution. For example, there are two countries, country A and country B. In country A, the law is being implemented without discrimination and country B, it is discriminatory application of law is discriminatory. Naturally, the policy package will succeed in country A and not in country B. This is one thing. And then this, he simply talked about the institution. Then in 2012, Professor Ishmuglu and Robinson, one is working in the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and the other is Professor of Government at Harvard University. Both of them have co-authored a book that is about why nations fail, power, poverty and prosperity of nations, they have discussed their causes. And they say that those societies which have inclusive institutions, they are likely to develop and development there is likely to be sustained. While those economies where there is, what they say, where there, is, where there we find that which are extractive institutions, they largely lag behind. Mm -hmm. And in Pakistan, I try to determine what sort of institutions we have. We are, in this context, uh, uh, the presented the political history of Pakistan right from its uh, independence up to 2019, 31st of December. I have taken this thing, the political history, not only in the national policy, foreign policy, but also sub-national systems of governance, criminal justice system, bureaucracy, electoral system, and the police. I have discussed challenges plaguing the country, for example, dominance of the military, lagging economic development, missed opportunities, lack of accountability within political institutions, sectarianism, and terrorism. This is despite the fact that we are the front line state in war against terrorism, and we're fighting for the liberty and for liberty of the and freedom in the world, yet we, despite the immense sacrifices in lives and in, in, in resources, we're still asked to do more. We're still considered as part of the problem and not part of the solution. Why is that? Uh, this is what made me write this book. In this work, I have seen the various, I have seen, first of all, uh, in the first, and uh, now the next slide, please. Next slide, please. Yes. Now, these are the contents. For example, first chapter introduced to the book. It starts with a quote from, uh, from um, uh, what they say, his name is, his name is, I just one minute, one minute, I just one minute. Stanley Walpert, he hmm. says that few individuals alter the course of history, significantly alter the course of history. Fewer still uh, can modify the map of the world. 
and hardly anyone can be credited with creating a nation state jinnah did all three the founder of pakistan similarly just one thing in his work on jinnah partition uh, of india and pakistan he says that he gives the entire credit of creating muslim state to muhammad ali jinnah the founder of pakistan and when we look at his political struggle we find one thing is quite conspicuous and that is that he never violated any law he this struggle was strictly within the ambit of the constitution and the law and we see that what has happened to after is going away and then now we are the present state is there and then the next thing and now next slide please next slide yes now what we see that pakistan the institution are mainly extractive in nature we have no inclusive institution and this there is but pakistan still ranks top 10 lawless countries in the world superior judiciary maybe criminal justice administration political parties civil and military bureaucracy local government civil society have failed to play their role in determining the state citizen relationships especially through the period 1919-2017 the rate of growth uh, every rate of growth from 1960 to 2016 has almost 5% and there could it could be much more than the then there were periods when we were very high rate of growth and then there were periods when we were very low rate of growth then there has been there has this development has not been sustainable so what what is the reason we have then jawlak Uh, took the opportunity to redefine Pakistan as a conservative, sectarian, and a progressive country. Pakistan needs the ultimately because I will not go into details. I will mainly likely to answer the questions. Mm-hmm. Pakistan requires a complete overall, and and I suggest a new contract. What is social new new contract? These are the what were some people say that it was intended to be a theocratic state, a state. based on religion but jana probably wanted a dynamic progressive and a forward looking country wherein even he said hindus will cease to be hindus muslims will cease to be muslims not in the religious sense but equal citizens of a free state so that they could do their they could without and law will be you may belong to any caste or creed but you are equal citizens of this state this was his, but then what happened that now whatever is the philosophy now the ground reality has changed and we have seen that we have not terrorism sectarianism and what now religion based politics minorities have been unable to own protect and be loyal to pakistan so first thing is that every citizen must be loyal to pakistan for this purpose we need to do away with a particular set of our narrative of nationhood our narrative of nationhood is that we are one nation because we are muslims but 95% are muslim and pakistan is multilingual multi ethnic multi racial society and multi you know this there many things so what happened is that we can probably revisit it and we have to have new concept which is just uh, the nation state should be common residence of some geographical identity this will enable everyone as as a faith islam has no danger in this country because then the objective resolution which is incorporated in the constitution has been exploited by the religious elements and they tried to impose on pakistan a philosophy which has brought us to this rot the current rot mm-hmm. a new narrative 
with equal contribution from all people of the land of Pakistan without discrimination in economic, cultural, social, and political development will make a truly inclusive society. Supremacy of law and constitution above all state institutions. Executive, judiciary, military establishment should remain within the constitution. Human and civil rights, sovereignty of representative institutions, civil, military, judiciary, executive relations will have to be corrected. But leaders will not be immune from law. Pakistan will have to be run by civilians ordained by the constitution, not by the garrison and not security. Yes, in defense matters, their opinion or their uh, opinion and their sacrifices must be recognized and they must cooperate with them, and but not in other political and other running of the country. Religious-based politics will have to be prohibited as was done by Bangladesh through the 15th Amendment in the constitution. There is no harm in keeping the name of a political party as Jamaat Islami or Muslim League, even Christian Democrats are there in European countries, but then they, they, the thing should be that no party should be able to do politics on the basis of advancement of one particular religion and imposing it on others. Peaceful coexistence with all neighboring countries and economic development, South Asian region as well, we must take into consideration. We are basically a nation situated in South Asia and we have to have good relations with our neighbors. Our policy needs to be reviewed as we recently suffered uh, some humiliation in connection with Kuala Lumpur, the arrangement that we have to make. We have to discuss Kashmir, but we could not under pressure from certain friends. Foreign policy needs to be reviewed to Pakistan, a self-respecting country in the Committee of Nations. A new criminal justice administration policy with, for example, a national election plan is, is basically faulty. It is faulty because it is simply military-centric. The military-centric, it should be, for example, there are four aspects of terrorism. Terrorism, political, violent political dissent, and uh, then insurgency and revolution. So for insurgency and revolution are concerned, they are basically military matters. But when we have come to this thing, uh, when we are talking about the terrorism and the violent political dissent, this is basically police question. Nothing is suggested there to enhance the capacity building of the police. That is very important. Constitutional protection given to bureaucrats under the 1956 constitution was removed by 1973 constitution. It needs to be restored. These are my basic uh, recommendations. And um, then also I have suggested that quality education is for the elite, the middle class and pure people. They're different. They're complete disconnect between what they are being taught at the various systems. We need to, it is a, education has become a source of social cleavage and differential discrimination rather than an enlightening force. Education needs to be mod, remodeled as a source of cohesion, development and growth. Same syllabus needs to be taught everywhere. And then social justice, unity, cooperation, respect need to be promoted instead of discrimination based on religion, culture, and ethnic consideration. All hate-based twisted content included in the syllabus by Ziaullah as an exploitative religious agenda needs to be uh, removed. Only then can Pakistan be progressive, dynamic, prosperous society oriented towards economic growth. Next slide, please. Yes, the new social contract should include major forms to ensure political neutrality of civil bureaucracy. 
then I already stated this need to be uniform syllabus in education institution. You may be giving given extra, you know, attention to your students in the colleges like AGSN, but then they should be taught the same thing as it is being taught to your students in ordinary public schools. So the education syllabus, syllabus should be the same. Socialization process should be oriented towards social justice, cooperation, tolerance, critical thinking, and respect for others. Next. Yes. And I, if and I have on this basis, I have seen that the Goldman Sachs report submitted to policymakers in the US and by various their intelligence agencies. They have given economic trends by 2013, which includes the next 11 emerging countries. This is the list, Bangladesh, Egypt, Indonesia, Iran, Mexico, Nigeria, Pakistan, the Philippines, South Korea, Turkey. Despite governance problem, and despite the rot that we are in, we are hope to be become, we can become, uh, we can become part of this 11 member country and we can collectively overtake the European Union 27 global power by 2030, provided that we have good governance and Pakistan will now grow into stable economy, no longer requiring foreign assistance and IMF support. But the condition is sustained good governance and tax reform that spur new industry, jobs, and more resources for modern education in Pakistan. With that, I thank you and I open it to questions. Uh, Dr. Nadia, unmute yourself, sir. Thank you. Azasab, thank you very much. A good overview, a very broad um, review of the Pakistan economy and Pakistan uh, polity. So I think it's much appreciated and uh, I will look forward to um, discussing it further with our colleagues. Um, let me bring in uh, Iftikhar Saab. Iftikhar Saab, uh, would you like to discuss the book now, please? Thank you, sir. Definitely. Uh, first of all, let me congratulate the author, um, uh, Mr. Azhar Hassan Deem Saab, for writing a very concise, short, and very up-to-the-mark uh, book. Uh, now I can understand that which kind of civil service we are admiring and aspiring for, because a police uh, IG can write such a, such a thing, so I am definitely uh, amazed by this. So I found this a very interesting piece of writing. The book summarizes different important elements from the history of Pakistan, which makes this country difficult to govern basically. So it's a good collection of different events. Arthur discusses all the important players of power in Pakistan and makes uh, their interplay the subject matter of the book. Though the book handles with a very difficult topic, the best thing about this book is that as the reader goes along, he or she find uh, uh, the text start offering answers to many questions that comes to one's mind. Uh, writing a comprehensive commentary in a concise write-up is the best thing about this book. It's all, uh, around 157 pages of uh, reading, so it was worth reading. Overall, this effort uh, uh, offers an extensive review of pertinent uh, prominent events that shaped the fate of Pakistan and helped the reader understand why and how we landed in our current situation. The author starts by discussing events linked to the creation of Pakistan and the priorities therein. 
but very uh, precisely and to the point elaborates how after qaeda azam the politician come leaders deviated from the founding principles of pakistan and that was the first step of decay that uh, that uh, came to pakistan so the first chapter brilliantly explain how the political incompetence to resolve issues politically paved the way for military rule though leaving the perpetrators like sekandar mirza with no gain at the end of the day the irony of the situation for me as a reader and of current uh, generation is that the same events are happening yet again after 73 years where both the government nowadays as well as the opposition is looking towards the establishment despite acknowledging the role of establishment the same establishment in the chain of events so this again highlights the incompetence of the political parties to settle their political differences through dialogue here though i would uh, mention that it is very important to understand that these differences should ideally be people centric but we still are confused uh, about this question in pakistan that pakistan that what politicians are fighting for so uh, the second chapter vividly starts with the quotes and extracts from very pertinent books of north and moglu robinson very pertinent books uh, and uh, that is followed by the important events in the pakistan histories so history so uh, uh, it presents a great synthesis of theory and uh, what's uh, happening what was happening in pakistan like from one unit to land reforms from feudal elite capture to excessive centralization from a secular state to islamic ideology ideological uh, pakistan every critical event is accounted for and hence implications for pakistan hurdle to progress are acknowledged uh, uh, i found extracts like i quote uh, politically a system of indirect election was introduced and the key position of, in all institutions of local government were given to the civil service of pakistan so this brilliantly explains the reason of existing extended turf of bureaucracy due to their uh, initial introduction in the power instead of service into power instead of a service in ayub's era such extracts are very relevant to find answers to the newly emerging questions which paid is pushing hard to find answers to in the recent time by uh, having different webinars on the civil service reforms and stuff like that that what happened to the civil service that why they are deviated from the service to the power exercise uh, and Uh, uh such extracts uh, from uh, different sources which this offer uh, this book offers uh, makes uh, one understand that why that has happened similarly the chapter presents and again i quote uh, the regime started patronizing uh, that's talking about the ayub's regime a small and medium uh, a small industrial and commercial elite through direct and indirect subsidies protectionist import controls cheap import machinery and raw materials through an overvalued exchange rate uh unquote this again truly highlights what remained wrong with pakistan and how governance and market structures were rigged and rolled back for very marginal personal gains of the ruling elite at that time which were definitely not democratic we are talking about ayub's era but what uh makes me 
uh, uncomfortable is that unfortunately Pakistan's journey of suffering continues to date. And we see similar glimpses even now in slightly different form like just two years back, we had overvalued currency, we had untargeted subsidies, we have ill-planned market interventions, elite capture is there, nepotism is there, mistargeted spending priorities. So after 73 years, we are still somehow in the same chapters. So uh, that's a bit hard for me to digest, but that's uh, what the book um, definitely and very succinctly offers uh, the reader that that has been uh, uh, that had been happening to Pakistan since long. Uh, so the chapter, uh, the second chapter, succinctly summarizes the rise and fall of different regimes and linked it well to the certain policy decisions and external factors, uh, which is well received. Uh, the extent and detail of a chain of events exhibit the author's deep understanding of the political economy as well as the institution of Pakistan, uh, uh, which is very welcomed, welcoming. Similarly, later chapters concerning judiciary, criminal justice system, along with other important topics, also provides a commentary which takes the reader through history, highlighting all the important junctions. This, though at times seems repetition of history uh, uh, to all who are interested in history and politics, uh, which can only be at best regretted because we every now and then uh, keep hearing that in the news, in the social media and in the print media. The third chapter on the judiciary, though unnecessarily, that's my feeling, uh, explains all the proceedings of the Panama and the subsequent NAB cases and what the judges said and how Nawaz Sharif and whatever. So, uh, but the chapter somehow misses uh, uh, the rest of the um, historical judicial blunders like Zulfikar Ali Bhutto case, that how that case was handled by the judiciary. Similarly, um, in the recent history, 10 years back, how the pure economic policy uh, decisions were taken to the courts, either through Sumoto or through extra judicial activism like Rikode case, Karke case, Steel Mill case, and even minute cases like um, sugar pricing and other stuffs, which created uh, far more uh, mess than doing any good to the Pakistan. So to Pakistan. So I think uh, somehow this chapter puts too much uh, focus on Panama and leaves other important judicial uh, junctions uh, aside. So if I was the writer, uh, if I was the author, I would like to rewrite this chapter. To conclude, this book takes into account all the important players and circumstances which makes Pakistan hard to govern, be it the rule of law, this, uh, the third chapter, the criminal justice system, political parties, armies, and politics. It also talks about that local governance. Uh, it has a uh, chapter on that civil society, terrorism, and lastly, the human capital, social economic situation in Pakistan. So every important discussion pertaining to Pakistan is there in the book. So that's the good thing about the book. In my opinion, uh, the book, however, ignore the role of individuals who grew greater than institutions by fair or unfair means, uh, uh, though the book do name few of them, 
there are a number of culprits, most importantly in the judiciary, followed by politician establishment and bureaucracy, which, uh, whose joint play is left unreferenced to, thus reinforcing the view of those known as untouchables. So uh, at the end of the day, we still have uh, such feelings when we finish the book. Secondly, uh, the book speaks little about the role of politician in the way they educate the masses. How, uh, what kind of nation are we building? So the book tells nothing about that. Like slogans, yes, I'm living beyond mean, so we have heard that, but there is no commentary on that. Or putting to the rest, uh, putting to rest the slogan of election rigging on 35 seats, like at the end of the day, that political leader said that it was a political statement, but there is no mention of that in the, uh, of that statement in this book. In this book, uh, but at other uh, instances, uh, the authors do speak of certain events. So, uh, inherent uh, there are other events which I can refer to, but uh, definitely I don't want to go into much details. But I would like that uh, uh, the nation-building stuff uh, that how we are misinterpreting different things. And uh, what I believe is that the politicians are teaching the people that do it and it's okay. So uh, the, the book should have touched upon that, that it is much more damaging and much more counterproductive than just a simple statement or a slogan by the politician. Uh, lastly, and most importantly, the general public's apathy uh, is, left, is left untouched. Citizens have given up their right to analyze, to ask. Practically, the people, the citizens, have surrendered their right to hold the so-called leaders accountable. So who, in fact, are their agents in the parliament? But we have taken them as leaders, and we are just followers. So nobody asks. And the book tells nothing about that. Can any democratic system deliver without electoral accountability? So this question needs to get some more attention in the revised uh, new editions, I hope. Uh, so despite generating very informative historical debate, uh, the driving forces, the citizens, the public, for whom all this is happening is missing from the central discussion. So this, however, by no means suggests that there is anything wrong with the book, but I'm just uh, uh, saying that if you uh, want to uh, write another version or uh, a new edition, so kindly give some uh, uh, focus to that as well. Uh, overall, I deeply acknowledge the author for doing very intensive and extensive work, uh, which is very pertinent to the discussion today uh, to consider and reflect upon uh, as a general uh, reader. So uh, that's a good addition to the literature. Uh, we need to keep touching upon such issues so that the awareness level increases, leading to restart the sustainable people-centric political mm -hmm. ecosystem, where citizens are the driving force, not the so-called leaders, establishment, NAEB, or the DAM and KCR building judiciary. They are not the leaders. The people are the leaders. The people should be saying that what they want. And if we can generate such kind of a discussion, that would be a success. That's all to myself. Thank you very much, Iftikhar Sab. Good, good comments, very well thought out. Um, great. Let's move on to our next discussant. 
Fahad Zulfikar. Fahad, will you take over the... Yeah, uh, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Um, we again welcome Dr. Azhar uh, Hassan Nadeem to our webinar. Um, I have to start by making a little confession. When I was asked to be the discussant for the book, I was a little skeptical, not because of the contents of the book, just because of the fact that my academic um, uh, background is more grounded on development studies and more so in development anthropology. But I have read the book all through the week. And uh, I must say that it is very relevant for any academic discipline of the social sciences as well as uh, it is as relevant for any discipline in social science as it is for the pure sciences and not to forget the policymakers, parliamentarians, politicians, bureaucrats, as well as the civil society. Um, I would like to have a few observations of the book and then I'll end the discussion with a few uh, questions, um, which I think uh, were left unanswered. Uh, first of all, sir, in your second chapter, um, you talked about uh, the theoretical framework um, of the new institutional economics and the argument by Smoglow and um, James Robinson as well. Um, yes, within the contours of uh, orthodox economics literature, the work by Douglas and Ferguson and Robinson pushes the envelope, but viewed from the lens of other social sciences, uh, there were a number of uh, critical points. And even within the domain of uh, heterodox economics literature, um, the critics, the, the critics were of the view uh, that yes, the way they define institutions is very inclusive, but the way the typological classification of either extractive or inclusive political economic institutions is defined, it's a little too restrictive. On that front, your book is a breath of fresh air because it is contextual, it's very layered, and the analyses is and the analyses are very diachronic in a sense that you not only talk about uh, the inclusive or extractive political and economic institutions, we also talk about the social institutions, which gives this book a Desi or a local or a contextual Pakistani uh, background. So that's one of the triumphs of the book, I guess. I'm sure actually. Secondly, you had also talked about um, the pluralistic legal systems in one of the chapters. And we as academics and we as the community mobilizers or social mobilizers, we very conveniently tend to, you know, push this fact beneath the carpet that there is a pluralistic legal system in the country. And whenever we talk about the legal reforms and the focus is more on the legal procedural systems or the formal procedural uh, systems or the criminal management systems that you had very succinctly talked about in your book. Uh, but there is, a, is an informal legal uh, system prevailing in the country and your chapter has, and your chapter on the legal systems has elaborately talked about uh, and talks the reader through uh, the panchayat and the jigger setups and what types of cases are being brought under those informal legal systems and the attempt to formalize those systems. Uh, so it recognizes that and it talks about that and it mainstreams that in narrative as well. So that's again a triumph. Also, the researchers with expositionality is very out there, which is again a breath of fresh air especially when you talk about uh, that it's not essentially the religion which is an issue, it's primarily the politicization of the religion or perhaps the way the religion has been or the religious sentiment has been used um, as an instrument to meet certain ends. Uh, that again is a narrative which is very much uh, welcome, uh, especially in the times we are living in. It's very contemporary, very concurrent, uh, very recent to the times we are living in. 
Um, after having discussed uh, these few observations, I have a few questions. In the chapter, I'm not covering those chapters which have already been very exhaustively covered by Dr. Iftikhar. So I will focus on um, the chapter on civil society. Sir, in your other chapters, as outlined by Dr. Iftikhar, you have um, taken a critical position on local government, uh, government or on the judicial system. But in civil society, you have not taken as strong a discursive or academic position as you have taken in the other chapters. I'm just wondering why, because yes, there are many civil society organizations which are doing groundbreaking work and meeting uh, the, the needs of the community, the aspirations of the community. But a lot of civil society organizations are succumbing to the conditionalities of the foreign funded agendas of the foreign consultants. Um, and they are losing out on the spirit of the third degree of participation, which is the essence and the gist and the crux of, uh, of what the civil, the civil society academically and pragmatically stands for. So uh, why not uh, to include that uh, discussion into your book or into that chapter? Is there, is, is there any academic footings? Uh, are there any academic footings on that? Secondly, um, you have talked about the social contract. Now, one of the critiques on the theory of social contract is that the general public or the population succumbs to uh, the one who holds the power. It is given, it is part of the contract. Now, the kind of um, social contract, which I've understood through your book or through your last chapter, is that it requires a cognizance between military establishment, bureaucracy, politics, parliamentarians, civil society, and that cognizance should work to correct the past and if not correct the past, then at least to correct the present and the future as well. How do you think that all of these stakeholders which have been functioning or have functioned extractive institutions under their different regimes over the political trajectory of Pakistan can subvert the discourse of vertical power and can better the future? I'm a little skeptical about it. Can you have some point on that? Also, one of the narratives being propelled by Pied is that our present and past has past has been has influenced is influenced by the colonial legacy, uh, and our current institutions are extractive because we were once a colony, uh, and it's a very post-colonial narrative. As opposed to this narrative, there is another strand within the domain of post-colonial literature is that we must get out of that colonial syndrome. Now, why I'm asking this question? Because most of your chapters have talked about the endogenous factors which have impeded the growth and development per se. Yes, in few chapters, you have talked about the external and exogenous factors as well. But how do you position yourself within these two strands? Are we still in the colonial syndrome or we should get out of it and work for the better um, future? Uh, these are some of the observations, some of the questions, and I guess I'm sure it's a must read. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Gee, Azhar Saab. Azhar Saab, I think we've got some good comments from our people. Um, would you like to answer these? And I'll go to the floor and get some more questions. Azhar Saab, over to you. Gee, I would like to answer these questions. Gee. The first question is that they've raised is that you know that the, the institutions are well entrenched in their positions and therefore it is not who will start this whole thing, how will we bring about change our new social contract. 
my answer to this is that the, my purpose is to start a dialogue and to start a debate on this subject. It should be debated. And if they, we have fair elections, uh, say up to 2030, fair elections and fair, absolutely fair elections, and uh, you know, free uh, hand is given to the public, then I think we can achieve this objective. Because the basic idea is not to bring about change through extra-constitutional methods, but only through the constitutional means. And that can be done only if a debate is started. My purpose was to start the debate, and today we are starting from PIDE. This debate has been initiated. And if that is done, I think within due course, we'll be able to achieve this. And that is why I have stated that despite governance problems and despite terrorism and all that, we can still be better performer in the field of economic development or social development or cultural development. That is possible. That's one question. That is, you know, th this is all right. For example, now it was unthinkable after before uh, in 1960s to talk about the army chiefs uh, tenure and all that. Now the Supreme Court took up a case in Kamar Javed Bajwa's case and they fixed the legal parameters under which the extension can be granted. At least the beginning has been made. And once we realize the problem and problem is that there is a problem is known and discussion starts, I think we can make a good beginning in this context. That is my answer to this question. There, there are, you know, I have also read in the chat, there is a question that they are all well entrenched in their positions. How is it possible to, who will do this? So I'm doing this, that they, we should start a dialogue. And if the dialogue starts, then we can save this. Mm -hmm. And then there is a, then this is, a, um, then there is another question which I would like to answer is, physically failure of governance is rooted in the very violation of merit. Police excess and misuse of this institution are the type of reasons of most felt grievances of the public. It should have worth reading for the readers had Nadeem sub narrated how he has been earning attractive postings while in service and now he is in detection of political buses from the American military. I, I, I say that this is a very personal question, but I would like to say that positions, you know, that ultimately you get whatever is your, you need that, so that you don't have to run after posting. I never ran after posting that I know and everybody will bear me out. And in the due course of time, you know, that that is taken care of. And uh, mm, then there are other questions. I, I you know, any other question, please. Okay, let's go ahead. Uh, Achaji, any, anybody, any questions, any thoughts, any ideas, please go ahead. Raise your hand so that I can take you. Meanwhile, mujhe ye batayye, uh, sahab, ke ye hum sab, um, and you know, yes, of course, a new social contract is required. And this is also happening that we have a long-term dialogue. Okay? We will do it in a few weeks. Long-term dialogue, which is saying a national dialogue. So, national dialogue is happening. APC is happening. Everything is happening. 
और जैसे आपने कहा हमारी एक्सट्रैक्टिव इंस्टीट्यूशन हैं हमारी एक्सट्रैक्टिव इंस्टीट्यूशन जरूर हैं और हमारे यहाँ बहुत मसले हैं पर ये एक्सट्रैक्टिव इंस्टीट्यूशन क्या हैं और ये क्यों बैठी हुई हैं और हमारा इंटेलेक्चुअल शॉर्टफॉल क्यों है क्या हम कुछ कर ही नहीं सकते हम बार बार यहाँ देख रहे हैं हमने एड पे बड़े वेबिनार्स कराए कि हम पॉलिसी तो अपनी बनाते ही नहीं पॉलिसी तो हमारे डोनर्स बनाते हैं तो हमें जो आजादी मिली है ये आजादी क्या हम आजाद हैं या कि हम सिर्फ वो लफ्जी तौर पर आजाद हैं तो ये जरा आप नोट कर ले मैं एक दो सवाल ले लूं यहाँ से भी आप नोट करिएगा आपको मैं आप सवालों के बाद फिर दोबारा मौका दूंगा बोलने के लिए तो पहले जनाब तारक खोसा साहब आपके मेरा ख्याल ये कंटेम्प्रेरी हैं तारक खोसा साहब अनदर फेमस पुलिसमैन हुज रिटन बुक्स इन द वेल नोन इंटेलेक्चुअल तारक खोसा साहब प्लीज गो है थैंक यू वेरी मच अजर नदीम साहब कंग्रेचुलेशन ऑन राइटिंग ए बुक दैट प्रमोट्स गुड गवर्नेंस you have uh, talked about a new social contract you have given a six point uh, national agenda uh, my question pertains to this issue of extremism and intolerance that you want to eradicate and you uh, so i would like some more clarity on this are there any gaps in our laws in legislation are there any gaps in our policies and strategies we had a counter terrorism national action plan nine points relate to extremism and long term non kinetic approaches so what would you uh, suggest are uh, you know the way forward in the context of uh, extremism and intolerance in our society thank you azhar sir acha ji ab parvez tahir sir former chief economist another well known figure it was nice to see azhar nadim after a long time uh, my question is very short but simple uh, from ungovernable to the misgoverned is it a psp sequel to the dmg <laughs> trust you pet good job pet <laughs> is <laughs> always got good wit theek hai pet anything else that's my question okay good it's, it's quite a fundamental question we'll, we'll get to it we'll get to it acha ji ipad 9 kaun hai ipad 9 mujhe nahi pata kaun hai bhai ipad 9 okay ipad 9 agar aapne bolna hai to bole unmute kare apne aap ko aur bole okay aa gaya ipad 9 haan ji गवर्नो one point to raise since we've got so many wise heads here including mr parvez sahir whose wonderful columns one looks forward to every week uh, and that is about 
you know, this 18th Amendment and um, the historic um, devolution that occurred, uh, you know, in my view, that has made Pakistan even more ungovernable than it used to be for uh, many of the reasons that other points out. Um, because it's now becoming a very strange situation. And I'll just take up um, this case of Karachi, uh, where the federal government says they want to do something. And, uh, you know, and they are told they can't do it because it's not within their purview. And yet, when every time there is any crisis, and not just in Sin, but any province, province says, okay, we need money from the federal government. Uh, and coupled with the very unrealistic National Finance Commission Award, uh, I think these are, are combining to make life very difficult uh, for any government. Now, here we have, uh, you know, um, with us uh, chairing this meeting, a very experienced person who lived for a long time in the United States. Um, you know, I always wonder, um, you have a federal, well, uh, you know, there's no sort of stronger federation than the United States of America. Let's forget uh, what Trump has been trying to do recently. And, um, but there you have a federal secretary of education, a federal secretary of health, federal secretary of, uh, you know, and so you've got all these overreaching, um, uh, you know, coordinating entities in the federal government. And if I recall the old days, and it still happens, you know, when the federal budget is drawn up, the mayor of Chicago or the mayor of this and that, or a government can go and lobby for money. But here they say, well, the federal government cannot do anything in the provincial government. And some, sometimes, it, uh, you know, this seems very odd. Does it mean we cannot, for instance, federal government tomorrow, if, uh, you know, uh, uh, the government wants to say that, okay, in this particular province, education is doing very badly, public health is doing badly, they can't interfere. Uh, now, tomorrow, of course, uh, we are going to have ultimately some sort of uh, vaccine coming in. Does the federal government have a role or not? So all this is, to my mind, creating a very big issue. Um, and I'm not sure whether uh, other, uh, you are really addressing that uh, and whether that's being properly addressed in the discussion we are having today. So I'll just stop there. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Mohin Sahib. Thank you very much. Chaji uh, Muhammad uh, Shahid Mahmood, I think, is that right? Shahid, Shahid Wahid. I don't know, I can't read the last name. Shahid Saab? Uh, did you hear me? Did you hear me? Did you go ahead? Go ahead. Yes. Sir, my name is Mohammed Shahid Wahid and I'm a research student from the Applied Economic Research Center. Okay. My question is uh, uh, about uh, that, uh, about the book of Wine Nations Tale. Once mm -hmm. Dr. Darren S. Moklu quoted about Pakistan institutional system. Mm -hmm. Hmm. that when institutions are failed, then there will be the rise of non-state actors. Mm -hmm. So my question is, what are the main factors and determinants of failure of institutions in Pakistan? Pakistan? Okay. Is these determinants are internal 
or external. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Shahid sir. Thank you. Very good. Hasib Azhar sir. Hasib Azhar sir, unmute. Kar liye apne aapko. Boliye. Assalamualaikum to all. Uh, I just actually have a question uh, to all to all who's involved in the Hasib, introduce bhi kar le, taake log jaan jaan. Assalamualaikum. I am Hasib and I am uh, a proud son of Azanadeen. And I just have uh, a couple of actually questions to anyone who can answer. Number one is that don't you feel like our bureaucracy should be turned around in such a way where there are right people for the right positions? For example, let me give you an example. Like for DMG, for example. Mm-hmm. A DMG officer can be nominated as Secretary of Health. He could be nominated. He could be placed as Secretary of Finance. He could be placed anywhere, you know, don't you think that is something we should let go of? I think we should have right people for the right job and we should have someone, for example, if we talk about financial um, economy or like financial department, don't you think it's proper that one who is has some kind of financial background should be made Federal Secretary of Finance instead of having, you know, a random DMG officer making that that call. Same same goes to other departments of the country. What are your thoughts about it? And what do you see whether it could be done or not? And I think the book does not touch upon that. Okay, good. Good job, Azeeb. Thank you. Uh, last question, Kareem Khan, sir. Let me go back to you now to take up these questions and uh, see how you respond. interesting and lots of good people have commented. Azhar sahab, over to you. So I like to answer Tarakosa's questions. The question relates to the strategy that we have to, whether we have done anything concrete to deal with terrorism. What I suggest is this that I have discussed various types of strategies are the same type of strategy can't be adopted for every type of terrorism. There are various types of terrorism. There are insurgencies that are called, there is a book written by Professor Stanley Land, assistant professor at Chicago University. He has explained various strategies. Number one, he called, there are integrated groups. Integrated groups are those groups which have substantial social networks which are local and they are in their support of their cause. For example, uh, the Afghan Taliban, they have reservoir support within the social networking and they are local and resilience is greater in them. And it is not possible to finish them unless we completely annihilate them as we was done in Sri Lanka or that we have then we have to open dialogue with them. That is the one question. And in this process, we have to even tolerate some of their undesirable demands. That is one, that is what they are doing. The second are the vanguard groups. Vanguard groups are those which are like Daesh, that is the Islamic state of Iraq and Syria. They, they, they are the local leadership is not, leadership is there, but they don't have local support bases is not strong and it's possible to finish them by eliminating the leadership and preventing the alternative to develop as happened in that case. 
and third are the parochial groups. Parochial groups are those groups where they are they are loosely interconnected, but there every lord has his own policy and his own matters, and every with every group you have to devise a different strategy. I think we must follow this thing, and this is the only solution in case of Pakistan that we must take into consideration the nature of the danger that we are dealing with and accordingly we should deal with that. And there has been one thing more that the I, the, this is a good plan which was made natural election, but it lacks one thing. It does not talk about policing because terrorism and political violent political dissent are essentially the policing matters and they have done nothing to, for example, in, in this country it is common to give the functions of rangers to of the police to the rangers. This is just like giving the doctor's job to an engineer and the result will be obvious. You know, we must build up the capacity of the police. The police are the ultimate um, agent who should deal with the terrorism matters. And this is my this is my in a brief attempt to answer this question. And then there was Muin Afzal Saab talked about the 18th Amendment. I have not discussed it in detail, but I do point out the, the differences, the difficulties that have arisen because of that. And I mentioned in this book that we need a new social contract, which should, for example, take the example of police, I've discussed in detail. They have made different, uh, for example, police order 2002 was introduced by Pervez Musharraf's regime to ensure police neutrality in all matters. And then it was done away with uh, after the, the, the new setup came and they insane reverted to the 1861 Police Act and Baluchistan uh, also followed suit. And then in Khyber Pakhtunka and Punjab also it was haphazardly. It was not even implemented. For example, many institutions that were to be created and the police are could not be created. So of course we do admit that it is a provincial subject, but the legislation should have to be federal. Even during British days, there was one federal law which was applicable everywhere. So the law should be the same and it should be then for the various uh, institutions to work within that framework. Even the Punjab has completely changed uniform, for example, also. So, and it is quite different. So we need still some sort of, and, and this there are certain people have been writing on this also and do support them that we must have some sort of health uh, coordinator at the federal level. Otherwise this free for all thing is not going to work. I do agree with this and we need some sort of coordination. And the next question was about, uh, what is the next question? Uh, this is and then there was one thing which talked about DMG and police. And I think uh, I do say that uh, ultimately the situation, for example, when Pakistan came into existence in the 50s, we established certain economic institutions. They were established by prominent, competent civil servants who did that. And they were very, for example, we Pakistan Industrial Development Corporation and so on and so forth. We established. Haru Khan and those people did a laudable work. But then after the 1956, they had been given protection under the constitution that was withdrawn in the 73 constitution. It, uh, previously, when there was change in the government, 
there was no need for corresponding changes in the old set of bureaucracy now one government comes and then they bring their man and this is my man this is this man and nobody talks about the pakistan's man and uh, finally about answer about a seabus's question is that of course we do need certain criterion for certain job and we do need certain people to who should hold right man for the right job this is everywhere this is true لیکن آپ لوکل گورنمنٹ کی مثال لیں آئی ہیو ٹاک اباؤٹ لوکل گورنمنٹ میں نے کہا لوکل گورنمنٹ تو یہ پرویز مشر صاحب نے ڈیولوشن کا صحیح پلان بنایا بٹ ایٹ دا سینٹر انہوں نے بالکل پاور اپنے ہاتھ میں رکھی اور یہ اس طرح نہیں ہوتا جو صوبائی حکومتیں یہ چاہتی ہیں کہ ریسورسز ان کے پاس رہیں فار ایگزامپل ممبرس کو پیسے دینے کا سلسلہ اور ڈیولپمنٹ فنڈ کیوں اسٹارٹ کیا گیا اسی لیے اسٹارٹ کیا گیا کہ وہ اس میں وہ ریسورسز کی منافلی اپنے ہاتھ میں رکھنا چاہتے ہیں دیٹ از لائک ڈس انفرینچائزمنٹ آف دی پیپل کا بات کی ہے شروع میں یہ پوائنٹ آؤٹ کیا تھا انہوں نے اس کتاب کے بارے میں کہ میں نے پیپل کی بات نہیں کی لوگوں کی بات نہیں کی لوگوں کی بات یہی ہے کہ دے آر کنٹینیوسلی بینگ ڈس انفرینچائز ان کا ڈسیزن میکنگ میں رول ہی ختم کیا جا رہا ہے اس طریقے سے اگر ہم کرتے رہیں گے تو کام نہیں بنے گا ہمیں اس کے لیے ضروری ہے کہ ہم ایسے انسٹیٹیوشن پیدا کریں وی شوڈ بی انکلوسو ہر طبقے کو اب ہم نے فاٹا کو مثلا ملگامیٹ کیا ہے تو میں اسی طرح گلگت بلتستان کے بارے میں بھی سوچنا چاہیے اور لوگ جب تک ملک کے ساتھ ہم ان کو صحیح کوئی فائدہ نہیں ہوگا تو وہ پھر اسی طرح ہوتے رہیں گے کام ہم لوگ ایسے پیدا کرتے رہیں گے جن کو ہم کبھی شک کی نظر سے دیکھیں گے کبھی کچھ اور کریں گے اور مسائل ہمارے بڑھتے رہیں گے اگر کوئی بندہ ہائر ہوتا ہے تو وہ جاتا ہے پرائم منسٹر کے آفس سے اپروو ہوتا ہے تین بندوں کی لسٹ جاتی ہے وہاں سے جو مرضی آ جائے تو مجھے سمجھ نہیں آتی پروسیس کیوں بناتے ہیں ہم یہ کام کرنے کا تو ڈی سینٹرلائزیشن تو ہماری ریت میں نہیں تو حضرت صاحب یہ بتائیے کہ کیا چکر ہے ہمیں ڈی سینٹرلائزیشن سے اتنا خطرہ کیوں ہے ڈی سینٹرلائزیشن صرف یہ نہیں ہے کہ گلگت بلتستان کو دے دی جائے ہر ادارے کو اپنا نظام بنانے کا موقع کیوں نہیں ملتا اس ملک میں ہر ادارہ یہاں ایک قسم کا سینٹرلائز پوزیشن میں رہتا ہے میرا پی آئی ڈی چھوٹا سا ادارہ ہے بالکل نہ معصوم چھوٹا سا ادارہ اس کو کوئی ویلیو نہیں ہے اس کو بھی کوئی انڈیپینڈنس نہیں ہے اصل میں اس میں یہ ہماری کچھ اس میں ہسٹری کا بھی عمل داخل ہے مثلا آپ دیکھیں کہ شروع میں ہمارا سسٹم کیا تھا شروع میں سسٹم واز بیسڈ آن پیٹرنیج ایکسل پیٹرنیج اینڈ اینڈ اتھارٹیرینزم اور ہم نے جب وین وی کیم ان ٹو ایگزٹینس وی ہیڈ ٹو فالو فار سم ٹائم بیکاز وی کوڈ ناٹ فریم آر کنسٹیٹیوشن ٹل نائنٹین ففٹی سکس وی ہیڈ ٹو فالو دی گورنمنٹ آف انڈیا ایکٹ نائنٹین تھرٹی فائیو 
जू जू पैटर्न है जो अपने हाथ में रखना चाहेगा everything was in disarray it was a, a decentralized or a devolved subject for the provinces they done nothing the aeroplanes of the old days had all been uh, had all gone to seed nothing okay polio out of hand uh, the problem is uh, i think we do make a mistake because of course decentralization you know if you ask me i'd say yes very much for it but look uh, if you go back to the fakhar imam uh, local government report i was then finance secretary in balochistan I, uh, i was a member of it and we pointed out a very uh, pertinent point okay devolve everything to the provincial governments but will they devolve to the local governments and this point came up in uh, you know <clears throat> general sheriff's time when they were going into this business of local government jiski azar nadim baat kar rahe hain ke bhai aap provinces ko 18th amendment ne kar diya okay good or bad i think it was bad you shouldn't go to that extent you should leave some coordinating oversight role agriculture research and so on this may aajkal phir problems aa rahi hain no seeds nothing but okay you devolved it but have they then devolved it to a proper local government system no you see so i get little worried also as a former civil servant and you are the son of a very famous old civil servant ke jab sab criticism aati hai ki ye civil servants of bureaucracy nahi karne de rahi bhai ab dekhe imran ke 2 saal इससे पहले दस साल वीव हेड ट्वेल्व इयर्स ऑफ पोलिटिकल गवर्नमेंट सो वॉट्स आई जस्ट स्टॉप देर पॉइंट आई एक्सेप्टीपीटी मैं ये कह रहा हूँ कि ये डिसेंट्रलाइजेशन का इशू ये है कि पचास साठ साल लगे सेंटर से प्रोविंस में जाते हुए अब मुझे ये लगता है वही पैटर्न आगे भी चलेगा क्योंकि प्रोविंसेस नीचे जाने का नहीं ये हमारी पॉलिटिकल इकोनॉमी का बहुत सीरियस इशू है कि हम खुद कर लेना चाहते हैं आगे नहीं देना चाहते लेकिन मैं वो वापस अपने सवाल की तरफ जाना चाहता हूँ मेरा सवाल डी एम नहीं था मेरा सवाल ये था कि एक बहुत महत्म साहब कहते हैं कि हमारी सोसाइटी अनगवर्नेबल है आप कहते हैं कि ये मिसगवर्नड है आपके ख्याल में ये क्या फर्क है मेरा भी इस पे ख्याल है लेकिन मैं तो आपका ख्याल चाहता हूँ ठीक 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 अच्छा आ, क्या कहते हैं अजहर साहब आप इसका जवाब देना चाहेंगे जी मैं जवाब देना चाहूंगा तो जवाब प्रवेश भाई ये है इसका कि बात ये है लेट मी बिगिन दैट इन पाकिस्तान वी है has led to the emergence of executive institutions which is the root cause of all problems and second is that there is uh, 
larger than life size presence of the Garrison and theoretically in the corridors of power and influence. And the third, the result has been the social sector has been the victim of this. If you go to the education system, a complete disconnect between the what is being taught to the elite and what is being taught to the common masses. And then if you look at the health, there is almost people are without coverage at the large scale. Only recently the government has realized and is doing something about it. Our governments have mostly been brick and mortar governments. They have been simply interested in mega projects, big, big projects where they, you know, and then there have been, uh, these are the things which we have taken root. And so far as rule of law is concerned, it is almost non-existent. There are five answers to five questions can determine whether the country is being ruled in accordance with law or not. First is, is the law equal for everyone? Obviously, no. Is the government bound by law? No. And if there is uh, the rights of everyone, including the minorities, are protected? No. Is everybody safe and secure? No. Are the courts giving justice within time? No. So then there is, this is the question. This basically, we inherited the system, vice regal system it was called, from the British, and it still continues. And even prior to the British, it was a patronage-based system in this country. And this was to be done away with. And this can only be done by developing inclusive institutions, which I've tried to uh, talk about. My main thrust was about developing and uh, emphasizing the importance of inclusion. Even, uh, yes, I was another question I forgot to answer. That was about civil society, that I civil society also, civil society has played some role, but then that is not sufficient role. Number one, they lack training in management, in communication skills, and in so many skills. And the second thing is about international. Uh, they talked about INGOs. I have also dealt with that question, but I say that our civil society consists of incoherent voices. It is of a, a, a narrow worldview and you know, different sort of civil society. There's one civil society like Asma Jangi civil society, which will talk about gender equality. And there are other civil society, which will say that, okay, there can't be marathon, which can be of both genders. You can't make them run together. You can't do that. So these are differences which are, which are difficulties. I have pointed out all of them. And I ultimately solution is this, that we have to find out some solution and that is in inclusive institutions. And the only solution is that, that if we have free and fair elections, every five terms and the government changes accordingly, then obviously, and we have continuous national debate, ultimately we will be okay in this, the hope, this is the only hope of achieving the end of becoming one of the economic tigers, one of part of the 11 American countries, which I pointed out right now. Thank you. Sab, let me bring you back in, and but let me also raise this question. Sab, ek to decentralization hai about going down to the local government. But there's another decentralization that I also think about. The decentralization of autonomous. Why can't all these agencies which are autonomous in the rest of the world, for example, Trump threatened to threaten but FTA went on undeterred. Trump but you know, there is institutional independence. So why can't institutional independence? But go ahead, Moin you also wanted to say something else. Yes, 
Moin Sahib, are you there? Moin Afsal? Okay. Ji, go ahead. Okay, I know I want to pick up a point which I wanted to raise originally because it's part of others' book, but uh, you know, that's about elitism in education and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I mean, theoretically, I think none of us with any uh, uh, sort of liberal way of thinking would say that, look, we do not want uh, that we want. elitism anywhere. Having said that, what bothers me is this. You know, we go back, uh, you know, I'm now in old age and I've seen this. Um, You go back to the immediate post-partition times. We look at some of our very great, uh, you know, Pakistanis, Muslims who came up from this part, which is now Pakistan, India. You know, starting with uh, Chaudhry Shahabuddin, Chaudhry Zafrullah, Lama Iqbal, the great Abdul Salam. They were all educated, not in elite schools, by the way. And some of the very, very competent civil servants, both before and after partition, and I think Nadeem, you'd be aware of many of them. I don't need to name them. They came from either village schools or you know, of course, post-partition central model became a feeding ground for the best civil servants. Now, what has happened today is, uh, you know, uh, I think Adhan Nadeem mentioned Aitison. And, uh, you know, you and I are both products of that school. And Adhan Nadeem, of course, has himself been connected uh, with that school. The trouble is, in fact, uh, you know, there were hardly any bureaucrats from Aitzen coming up to the civil service until our time. Uh, what has happened is the decline in standards of government education. Now, my worry is, if you say, okay, let's abolish elitism in education, have one system, and that's also part of Imran's flag. Uh, are we all going to go down to the lowest common denominator? And that's the problem which bothers us in this. But I'll stop there. Tariq Khosa, sir. Tariq Khosa, unmute. Thank you. Uh, Nadeem, sir, aapne, you have raised this correct uh, perspective and we saw it in the restructuring of uh, government uh, task force also. Until this institutional autonomy uh a vital aspect hai, or centralization or decentralization within the federal government bhi chahiye aur uske saath saath ye jo 18th constitutional amendment hai iske andar ek mechanism built in hai agar uh, ye council of common interests hai aur uske saath saath jo federation or provinces mein issues uh, rise ho sakte hain jo ke jinka moin afzal sahab ne ishara kiya but what he has pointed out is that local government system, provinces need decentralized local government to capacity, capability, and will ki baat hai issue. Overall, we see that Azhar Nadeem Sahib has written in his book, which has 
कि हम ये सेंट्रलाइजेशन की तरफ किस तरह क्यों गए हैं बिकॉज हमने उसको एक गैरिजन स्टेट और एक सिक्योरिटी स्टेट बनाकर और फिर वो अपनी नैरेटिव इम्पोज की है हमारी स्ट्रेंथ कॉम की डाइवर्सिटी में है और दिस इज यूनिटी इन डाइवर्सिटी लेकिन हम इम्पोज uh, करेंगे नैरेटिव्स को तो वो बात नहीं बनेगी सो दे फोर ही हैज पॉइंटेड आउट सम जो नेशनल सिक्स पॉइंट एजेंडा है उस पर एक कंसेंसस uh, डिवेलप जब तक नहीं होगा बिटवीन द सिविल सोसाइटी एंड द पोलिटिकल पार्टीज और खुल के बातचीत नहीं होगी और अपनी uh, गलतियों को जब तक हम तस्लीम नहीं करेंगे तो आगे uh, नहीं बढ़ सकेंगे अनफॉर्चुनेटली मोहम्मद शेख साहब आई थिंक इज जी थैंक यू वेरी मच बोलिए जी बोलिए प्लीज आई एम हियर इन यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स एंड अजर नदीम साहब इज बीन माय फ्रेंड्स लॉन्ग टाइम एंड थैंक यू सो मच फॉर द अपॉर्चुनिटी आई हैव अ डिफरेंट क्वेश्चंस फ्रॉम द बुक इज वेयर द बिजनेस थ्रूआउट इन इन पाकिस्तान द चेंबर्स एंड इन यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स इन लास्ट 40 इयर्स आई एम ट्राइंग टू कनेक्ट If there is a possibility the government and or anybody at your form I see 66 people have joined and that is a very successful uh, seminar uh can we have a uh, in future or next time seminar between the chambers and businesses i think is a law in a businesses other than the msab you know we had a discussion in american university and the where also think a lot of things can be developed so what can you do to help through your next book uh, business and chambers and connecting in overseas i think you got a good point we will definitely do something with the chambers so sheikh sir please join us inshallah we will do something with the chambers we need people like you to join that too that's a good point other sir would you like to say anything on this no i do you know we will definitely try to this the answer that you have given okay Okay. Okay, folks. Thank you very much. Is there any? If if anybody else has anything to say, otherwise I'll, um, you know, uh, just. I I'll take before we conclude. I will take this opportunity to thank all the participants for uh, their participation in this webinar. This is a source of encouragement for me. I am grateful to each one of you for your remarks and your encouragement and support. I once again thank you very much. Thank you, Doctor Nadim, and thank you, Fahid, and thank you, the participants. Also, before yeah. before, I have noticed that also Asif Bajwa Sahab is here, former Secretary Planning. Yes. Bajwa Sahab, sir, you should ask him about the brick and mortar economy. Bajwa Sahab, the brick and mortar economy is. What will you say about it? And another thing, the planning role, the planning role, I think, has disappeared. The planning role is now completely. इस 40 साल से एग्जिस्ट ही नहीं करता इट्स एवरीथिंग इज अ मिनिस्ट्री ऑफ फाइनेंस बाजवा साहब डू यू हैव एनीथिंग टू से ऑन दिस दिस इज फॉर द सेंट्रलाइजेशन सर थैंक यू वेरी मच थैंक यू वेरी मच फॉर इनवाइटिंग मी सर दिस दिस जस्ट वन क्वेश्चन के ब्रिक एंड मोटर ऑफ कोर्स इट्स रिक्वायर्ड ब्रिक एंड मोटर के कोई देयर इज नो टू यू कैन नॉट डिस्ट्रैक्ट फ्रॉम दैट बट द प्रॉब्लम इज 
कि ब्रिक एंड मोटर हम फैसला कैसे करते हैं सर आपको भी पता है मरी मोटरवे का कॉन्ट्रैक्ट पहले अवार्ड हो गया था आपके ये इस्लामाबाद मेट्रो का कॉन्ट्रैक्ट पहले अवार्ड हो गया था तो हम प्लानिंग में बैठ के बाद में अप्रूव की थी अगर विशेष और ये इस तरह के जो प्रोजेक्ट्स हैं दे पैराशूट ऑन टू डेवलपमेंट बजट विदाउट एनी थॉट विदाउट एनी एनालिसिस कोई नहीं है आप आप हमारे सोशल पैरामीटर्स देख लें हर किस्म के देख लें हेल्थ में देख लें एजुकेशन में देख लें व्हाट हैव वी टू शो फॉर दैट नथिंग अब प्रॉब्लम तो यही है कि जी हम तो बस ठीक है जी साहब ने सर वुड यू बिलीव इट मुझे एक सीनियर ऑफिसर मिले मैं फाइनेंस में था तो कहने लगे कि मुझे इस प्रोजेक्ट के लिए पैसे चाहिए मैंने कहा जी क्यों कहने लगे मैंने ये बात की थी प्राइम मिनिस्टर से तो मैंने प्राइम मिनिस्टर की आंख में चमक देखी थी तो उससे मुझे पता चला कि ये इनको प्रोजेक्ट पसंद है और चाहिए तो मुझे इसके लिए पैसे चाहिए तो मैं तो ऑफकोर्स मैंने कहा जी मुझे फिर वो चमक तो नहीं मुझे डायरेक्टिव चाहिए तो मैं दे दूंगा पैसे सो इशू सर अंडरलाइंग इशू ये है कि एज अ गवर्नमेंट एज As a government overall, we hate statistics. With the result, we hate analytics, and all our policy decisions are based on personal whims. And Chokar liye kahan the, kahan se aage hain? So we are stuck where we are. But sir, I will just say that others have written books. Jo se likhi hai, wo usme to. All kudos to him. Excellent, ji. Very good. Thank you very much, folks. I think, ji, civil servants के पास बहुत human capital है, और मुझे बड़ा अफसोस होता है कि हमारे civil servants सारे क्यों नहीं बैठे हुए universities में और पढ़ा क्यों नहीं रहे? And I, ये अमेरिका, ब्रिटानिया वगैरह में ये बहुत होता है, और हमारे यहाँ जरूर होना चाहिए। मैं सब को भी ये invite करता हूँ कि हमारे पास आके जरूर काम करें हम जरूर गरीब इदारा है बट मैं सबको इनवाइट करता हूँ हमारे साथ काम करें वी आर ट्राइंग एक्सटेंसिवलीस solve this problem i think we owe it to the next generation we are going to do a webinar on the 25th which is kaidazan's birthday christmas yes but kaidazan's birthday we are going to do a webinar on the grand national dialogue aajkal sab baat kar rahe hain grand national dialogue ki i've got five or six very good people to talk about it musharraf zaidi raza rumi apna fahad hussain उसमेंटलीफाइड 
There is a ton of reform that is necessary in this country. We at the BID are now preparing a whole list of these reforms in a growth framework that we're going to give to you people soon. And in that growth framework, we're consulting everybody. We're going to consult you as well because we want it to be as much of a consensus as possible. So we will present that to you too. We will ask all of you to comment on it too and share in that if possible. Because I think quite frankly, fragmented civil society, a fragmented could we never converge on a reform agenda. And reform doesn't seem to be part of a national discourse. We leave it to the donors to do, or donors example. The Michael Barber, Jo Tarif Karta Shabaz Sharif ki, just ne Shabaz Sharif ke Kasida guy twenty thirteen ki election me, Aj Wohi Kasida Gara is government I have no candle for any government. I'm totally non-political, but quite frankly. I think we need the intellectuals of Pakistan need to take ownership of the reform. And unless we do that, we can't get anywhere. Now, Haseeb Azhar wants to come in again. So let me give him the last word, then I'll close it down. Haseeb Saab, go ahead. Thank you so much. Uh, I just wanted to uh, uh, put my two cents on what Mohin Afzal Saab has regarding elitism or why not. You know, I think the main, uh, I think, एक बहुत बड़ा इस मुल्क के साथ ज्यादती हुई है कि जो ब्रेन ड्रेन हुआ थी इस मुल्क में, because we were not giving the opportunities for the right people, यहाँ पे सफारशों का निजाम, यहाँ पे you know favoritism का निजाम, that is actually one of also a major cause जहाँ पे जी मारी मिस गवर्नेंस होती चली गई, and decentralization तो definitely होनी चाहिए, but the thing is कि जी to hold on to the brain power or intelligent people it's, it's the key. He can't communicate with a, with a, with a public school graduate. They can't even play together. You can't cricket, you can't college. I'm an Insonian, so I'm a kid. I mean, if status so what definitely he'll go for a better life or a better well, why would he think about Pakistan when he would think English so I I can of course get better opportunities a manager who's in 30 body research on our ACMAs Pakistan majority ICMAs graduate they all go abroad why because even up a private sector yeah, even a public sector. opportunities in the sector education. staying and we will do more. We will continue to do webinars on these things. We our students are doing PATs on this. We've got a countrywide research competition on these areas. Because quite frankly, these are very important subjects. A country is made by its talent. Hum knowledge economy to baat karte hai, but knowledge economy is only talent and we should talk about it. So we will talk about it. Please stay engaged. We will inshallah keep you in touch. We will keep all of you in touch. We hold these webinars every day deliberately because we will try and get a, a whatever dialogue at our level. Not that we, we are not like 
Nawaz Sharif or Imran Khan. We can't do a national dialogue, but we can do an intellectual dialogue, and that's important. We will do an intellectual dialogue dialogue as much as possible, and uh, we'll continue from there. Ji, Sheikh Sab, Sheikh Sab, what are you saying? Sheikh Sab, tell me. Sheikh Sab. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I will greatly appreciate it if you can consider uh, between. uh pakistani uh educators and businessmen and overseas educated and businessmen because where i see it living in united states 50 years mm-hmm. and i think is until the business is developed in pakistan and business people can develop the education and other than deem saab is i know him uh i think is almost 20 years mm-hmm. and uh every time when i talk to everybody and listen to it you guys are so groom and you are uh, is well knowledgeable mm-hmm. and but when we go to pakistan when we sit with the chambers when we sit with the governments or sit with any place mm-hmm. uh, people are if we feel like it, they are way way behind mm-hmm. they are like left behind the uh, you know uh, some other world mm-hmm. uh, but we are here we are much more uh, uh, is uh, motherland lovers uh you you call uh we would like to help uh, and uh, more more other nadim kids he can tell how well we are connected here bilkul sir uh, everything and anything but we be happy to help absolutely sheikh sir we'll take you up on that please apna number bhej de ya email bhej de we will like to keep you engaged hum inshallah be zarur karenge jo aapki suggestion hai ki chambers ke sath usme aapko bhi bulayenge we would like to connect the chambers there and the pakistani businessmen here wo bhi karenge i think this is our job pid jo hai the pakistan is like the brookings of pakistan our job is actually to try and develop this dialogue to try and create a dialogue especially of an intellectual kind and a dialogue that builds a better modern pakistan which is why i invited azhar sahab to do this inshallah we'll keep it going and we'll keep all of you informed as i said this is our mission this is our job so we will certainly keep it going but your all i would request is please keep an eye out for pid work and please participate with us please help us because our dialogue can only improve if we have people like you on our own we are just whistling in the wind and we don't want to do that we want to be practical we want to be uh, real and we want to help the dialogue in pakistan so folks with that thank you very much it's been a wonderful uh, dialogue and azhar sahab thank you very much great book please keep writing all of you please keep writing we will inshallah take up all your books and we will inshallah look at this thank you very much khuda hafiz thank you thank you so much dr sahab and thank you all the participants particularly my senior colleagues like me nazar sahab and you know that is a big source of encouragement for me that they participated in this thank you once again everyone